Hi guys, this is Doug. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, July 31st, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. July 31st? Yeah, very good. Um, Friday afternoon, we're here coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska. It is, gosh, it's about 3.30 in the afternoon. We're getting a late start um, or an early start, my depending fault. on how you look at it. my fault. Uh, very good. I'm looking forward to this one. My guest today is Aaron Cerrone, a friend, a coach, a mentor, um, teacher, soldier. I get. I don't call you a soldier. What would I call you? I I don't know. Not, an airman. Yeah. Well, I mean, is soldier, soldier and generic. I am in the air force, is, so you could call me an airman as well. Airman or, or oh, yeah, soldier. Yeah. Um, small business owner, a number of things. Um, we're going to talk. We are we are starting a new unit. Uh, what do I want to call it? A new chapter in the podcast. We are going to we're going to start focusing every month on leadership. And Aaron and I have talked about leadership in the past. And as we have mentioned, I think um, there is a definite gap in leadership training that uh, particularly safety professionals get, but probably all managers to some extent. Uh, and so we are going to focus, uh, I think, one episode a month on leadership. Uh, and that episode is going to be brought to us by Mid-America Martial Arts, which is Aaron's business. Um, he is the owner and coach uh, probably the primary coach over at Mid-America Martial Arts, where I am a student. And um, uh, if, you're not, if you're not familiar and you need to check out the website, uh, and if you are not a martial artist or not interested in or taking martial arts, I would encourage you to check the place out, man. Uh, we have a great time. Uh, as we mentioned just briefly moments ago, it's a great release. Uh, and those for those of us that need a release in this day and age, I think it's a great opportunity to do that. Well, yeah, especially I think now more than ever that, uh, you know, we got to find ways to keep ourselves busy. And, and, you know, with the recent quarantines we've all been a part of. And, right. and I think if nothing else, the, you know, you're, we're going to talk COVID today a little bit. I, I think this, the, the, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, has really brought to light the importance of our health. Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at the people that uh, this virus is really affecting and who it's not affecting, I think there's no question how important your health is right now and keeping yourself healthy and keeping your immune system absolutely uh, boosted and very high. So, you know, if nothing else, whether it's martial arts or whatever physical activity you like to do and, and understanding uh, your fitness and in your diet, I think if nothing else, hopefully that the big takeaway for people is that how important your health is. I would agree. And I think also from the standpoint of stress management, I know well, that uh, something once in a while. it is nice to hit something once in a while that, <laughs> that, that than, doesn't sue you or hit you back, you know, necessarily. <laughs> um, I know I think that is absolutely true. And I think so from a standpoint of well-being, physical well-being, mental and emotional well-being and in the martial arts, to some degree, spiritual well-being as well. Um, sure. All of those elements can be addressed. And so if you are not familiar with Mid-America, you should go check it out. Come over sometime, Pat. You're going to come over with me sometime. I will. I will. Excellent, man. I think I think you'll love it. You heard it here. You heard I think it here. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. I would love to. So it is. Said. No, no. I mean, you, written, you boys right? have me by about 18 inches and about 100 pounds of muscle. So uh, well, snap me in half. Hey, no, no, no. That, uh, we're not interested in it's that. It's old man. muscle over here. It's all that's old right. muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's uh, yeah, very veteran muscle. But no, <laughs> I appreciate the invite. I will definitely. I think you'd enjoy it, Thanks. man. So, um, so my sponsors. I'd love to thank my sponsors as always. CCS Group. Cheyenne, Josh, and the guys at CCS, thank you very much for your sponsorship and your support. Safety Reports, uh, Steve Polich and all of the folks at Safety Reports continue to support the podcast and the mission, and I appreciate that. Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group, Lou DeMauro at Medical Enterprises, and now Mid-America Martial Arts, and my good friend Aaron Cerrone. Um, and again, Aaron is uh, going to be joining me probably once a month now for a leadership section or a segment on leadership. And we'll bring in guests. We'll bring in people that you think might be able to contribute to that conversation. Yeah, and or, I hope to be able to, to, to weave in, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a 24-year military veteran and, and career officer. So I hope to weave some of that uh, information in as well. Absolutely. As, and, and, and my information and knowledge from, from UNO and teaching down there as well, the business college. So it, it's by no means just going to be, you know, it's going to look at leadership and management from all angles possible. And I think the important thing for everybody to remember, it's, there, there is no recipe, right? There's no single recipe for leadership, especially right now in such a nebulous time on what the workplace looks like. I think uh, leaders and managers are really going to be tasked Wow. To, uh, to perform and, and, and to find ways and new ways to go about getting the best out of other people. 
And uh, so, and so you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think you have a lot of fun with it. And, and, and the industries that you deal with are unique as mm-hmm. well. And mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun angle to look at. And, and, you know, whatever we can bring to the table to help everybody uh, get their organizations and their companies better, I think is right. important. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think um, one place we can start is just, uh, and, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but when you hire a new manager, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to have any ability to lead. And so I think there are probably some things that we can do as uh, business owners or uh, those that drive these businesses in not only selecting the right people and the right qualities, but but preparing them for leadership. Sure. I, I think the first thing, too, is just is having humility. Like anybody, any leader, anybody deems themselves a leader or a leader of a company, a CEO, whatever it is, uh, needs to have some humility and understanding that I don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. And it's a constant learning cycle. Right. Constant right. cycle of experimenting and learning, uh, making mistakes, learning from the mistakes, uh, seeking out new knowledge and new ways and seeing how other people are doing things. Uh, be, because there's no single recipe. It's just like business. There's no, if there was a single recipe for business success, nobody would fail. And we know that's simply not true. Right. In fact, the majority fail. So there's definitely no recipe mm-hmm. for success in business. And the same way in management and leadership. Uh, I, I think it's very unique to each uh, environment and each company and then each individual involved in it. Right. You I know? would agree. So, you know, you, even in a single organization, you can't necessarily have the same management style with everybody in there because everybody's unique and different and brings different needs and requirements. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, though, it's understanding, you know, why you're there as a leader and a manager. Mm-hmm. And that's really to get the best out of everybody else, not yourself. That's a good point. I've got some examples from my time with the government that I'd like to share with you and get your <laughs> feedback on. So I wrote a few notes down about that. But We both cut our teeth on government <laughs> Before work, we have so the government system. We might start breaking stuff around here. But before we get started, I have, and I, I wanted to have this conversation. I literally, 30 minutes ago, got my COVID test report back negative. And I got to be honest with you, uh, I had a potential exposure, a, you know, a somewhat documentable exposure earlier this week. Uh, I was in proximity with someone who ultimately tested positive that same day when we had, you know, and through the course of our interaction, I realized that it was somebody I probably shouldn't be in proximity to. So I went to see my doctor and got tested and the results literally just came back a half an hour ago. Otherwise, we would be doing this via Zoom or something. And... Uh, even though we are maintaining six foot <laughs> social distancing across the table. But it, I got to be honest with you, man, it, um, it is a head trip. You know, once you realize that you are potentially exposed and you go through this testing protocol and, and my doctor is, frankly, he's across the street from me, but he was very good about getting me in and doing the test right away. And, you know, I've had, you know, sw- I've had, orifices swabbed before, you know, I mean, it was something I was familiar with, but, um, man, just waiting around for the results is, I think that's any, any, just an interesting test. Like even I get a yearly blood draw and I'm anxious to get the results. Yeah. And just cause, and it's just a, an update. Just, it is. you know, I like doing ever since I turned 40, I got in a habit of getting a full blood panel just to, right maintain essay on everything I do, but just getting a blood job, I'm anxious to get it you back. Get, so get I think it's just human nature, anxious to get the test I results. I think it is, man. But I mean, I was sitting in my office, isolated, you know, waiting for these results, but... Let's call a spade a spade. Your office is isolated. <laughs> my, my office is... Well, it's interesting that There's people... There's nothing public and open about your office. Most people, most people are not interested in socializing with a safety person anyway, frankly. So, I mean, it's just kind of a self-imposed isolation, but... You know, it was interesting because I was looking at my calendar, um, thinking about, well, shoot, if I'm positive, I have to cancel all of this. I have to cancel that. I have to postpone that. You know, next weekend, I'm supposed to drive my kid back to school. That would have to be postponed or you'd have to go with his mother, which would be a disaster. You know, so just the, you know, as you are, as you're sitting and waiting, all of these, you know, you're, you're kind sure. of digesting all these different possibilities and um, stressful it's very stressful and uh i thought i would handle it better than i did frankly i thought i would be very stoic about it and then you know the 11th hour i'm just sitting there kind of you know my mind is running a little bit it was interesting i i think you know we are in a day and age where the only reaction is overreaction well that is true and um and i think we're seeing a lot of that right now there's a lot of things going on uh, in the environment, 
uh, that it, that's adding to it. But, you know, just social media and then everything getting blown out of proportion, in my opinion, right. ha- has added to this and added to people's stress levels at the same time. I mean, I always think back, you know, if, how would we have handled this in the 80s? That's a good point. You know, would, would, it, would it have been just a blip on the radar? Not, I mean, I remember in the 80s, the, the, the AIDS, when AIDS mm-hmm, came out, mm-hmm. everybody lost their minds. Right. And then, but after a while, once we got educated about it and understood it better, you know, the paranoia and the hysteria subsided a little mm-hmm. bit. A lot of it, actually. You don't even it hear did. about it. You right. hardly even hear talk about it anymore. Right. And it's still out there. And it's still very sure. deadly. But we understand how to, we understand it. And, and I think we're in that phase right now with, with corona that, you know, we don't understand it. Uh, bits and pieces of information are coming mm-hmm. out and people are grabbing it and running it and amplifying it and blowing it out of proportion. And it stresses everybody out because you don't know, right? You, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know how to handle it. Um, and it seems like we've time. just become these emotionally frail creatures. We, you know, we used to be relatively reasonable and pragmatic and, and I consider myself fairly pragmatic and reasonable. And all of a sudden you just turn into these emotional. Well, when everybody else you know, around you is freaking out. I think it's natural just to go, you know, well, I'm not sure how to handle this. You know, we had a similar, I don't want to say, it wasn't even a scare. You know, we we, we closed our gym down when the mandate statewide mm-hmm. came out. And we really didn't close it down. We just left it open for people could use at will. I just closed down the group classes. Right, right. And then once um, the governor gave the okay for bars and restaurants open, we opened up our classes and we filled back up immediately. Mm-hmm. And the nature of our gym is people are very close proximity, right. but we're a healthy population mm-hmm. and we check people's temperatures. We make everybody sanitize. Everybody understands if you're not feeling well, you don't come in. Um, for the first few weeks, I mandated everybody keep the same partner all mm-hmm. the time. So that way, if somebody did get sick, I know exactly who they were with and I could trace it. And we make everybody check in at the front desk. So I know exactly who's there all the time. And then after a few weeks of that, I basically took the cuffs off and said, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty confident that everybody here is healthy. And then we haven't had a single person get sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't you time. think there's a certain element of respect in that specific environment as well? I mean, well, that you may not find in other in other sure because people environments. people truly care about each other in, right. in our gym and our culture. Uh, I don't think you'd, you don't see that as much in, in more of the public gyms. I would agree. Now we did have one. If you're going to call it a scare, it, w- it was a brand new student started, and the way we run our program is that you have to take six one-on-one lessons before I let you even touch a class mm-hmm. uh, for a number of reasons. It's a vetting process for us. Sure. I'm very protective of our environment. I shouldn't let anybody in there. Right, and then right. the nature of the martial arts that we do, you have to be very trusting. If I'm going to let you choke me, I have to trust you. Mm-hmm. So I can't let just any goon come right, in there. Right. So um, one of the students had started his private lessons. He did three private lessons, literally Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with three different coaches. And then he was scheduled to do Thursday. He was really eager to get in. So he wanted to get, do, knock him out fast. And he, he canceled Thursday. He called and said, I'm not feeling well. I want to be safe. I'm going to mm-hmm. cancel. We said, smart, no problem. Let us know. And then he calls us Saturday and said he tested positive. No So I was kidding. like, damn. So I called my coaches. First, I made sure, was he in contact? And anybody mm-hmm. else, did he get in? He, nope, he just did the privates. He was just with the coaches. So the three of us got tested Monday morning immediately. Um, we all tested negative. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I told him, don't come back until you have a, uh, a negative, negative test. test and right. then and he just, he just came back now and, and he waited a month. Good. Um, he wanted, wanted to wait extra. So, um, but I attribute that to, if, if you look at the people that are getting sick and the people who get, who affect this virus affects the most, we're a very healthy population mm-hmm. in, in that gym mm-hmm. um, of mind and body. So it didn't surprise me. We all tested negative. Uh, even being around somebody because right. if you're healthy, your immune systems are healthier. It, it, we're all, we were all in our thirties, uh, forties, mm-hmm. myself, I'm the oldest, the other guys are in the thirties. So, and they're both very healthy people. So mm-hmm. um, it didn't surprise me one bit. And it's not surprising that um, we haven't had anybody get sick either. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't speak for all organizations, but I know that's just not the same for, for other companies. So obviously right. the risk is a little bit higher bringing people together uh, in a lot of cases, but um, I, I think one thing, you know, if we're going to segue this to any, any type of management thing is we've been very open with all of our students and our customers and our clients saying, look, we're going to be open. You don't have to come in here. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't, don't shame anybody that chooses to come in. Right. It's, it's their right. choice. But here's the deal. We understand this thing is out there. 
If you're not feeling good, don't come in. Be respectful of everybody else, even if you got the sniffles. And and we've always been big about that because anytime you do anything with wrestling and jujitsu, you got to worry about skin rashes and staff stuff. And so things. staff and ringworms. So everybody's very good mm-hmm. about it. you got a mark on your skin. Don't you dare come in because mm-hmm. I'll call you out and then kick you out. Right. 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 Uh, so that that mindset was already set prior to yeah. this. And you know we are going to check your temperature. If you're one degree off, you're not coming in. Don't whine about it. Mm-hmm. We are going to spray your hands, mm-hmm. uh, wash your clothes. If anything smells slightly off, I'm making you take it off, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't risk right. it. Right. And um, and we we're upfront about it, and we were very clear what we were doing, and I think people appreciated that. And the ones that were comfortable to come back came back, and, mm-hmm. and probably the vast majority of our students came back. Yeah, good. Um, good. There's a few that are still hanging out, and I think you, you're going to have people that are just. They're just afraid or they're just skeptical. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, They know the door's open and I don't, you know, fault them for it one bit. Um, But I, and I think that just the more open you are with people, like employees and people, they're not dumb. They, they can sniff out if you're bullshitting them. Mm -hmm. Like they, they they can sniff out if you're flying by the seat of your pants and they know when you're feeding them a line. And that all that does is damage that relationship. Now they're less trusting of you than they ever were. And you got to try to win that back. You know, so I think right now what's happening in a lot of companies and a lot of organizations that the leadership, well, the medical community for all argument is flying by the seat of its pants on on this whole thing. So now companies are trying to figure out what to do and are just doing something. We talked earlier that a lot of it's just window dressing. And a bunch of, bunch of CYA just so they don't get sued. And we're doing this now. Now we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do that. And employees are going, what's going on here? Like every time mm-hmm. we turn around, there's something different. Right. Like make up your mind or just be honest with us and say you don't know. And, and I think uh, people in general are more accepting that if you just say, look, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Bear with us. As we get information, we'll let you know. But we don't have the answer Right. So we're going to figure this out as we go. Right. Not this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what it is. Now, right. this is right. it's like, you don't you have no idea, do you? I agree. But which brings then starts to bring into question every other leadership decision you make. It's like, well, if mm-hmm. you had no idea what you're doing here, what else were you mm-hmm. bluffing us on? True. And I think that, you know, the damage to the trust that we have in our uh, medical professionals, these scientists and researchers and certainly politicians under current conditions is just, I'm not sure it just hasn't been damaged irreparably. I mean, as I was talking about with Pat earlier, you know, I have a science background and I spent a lot of time in the lab when I was a graduate student. I think I understand the concepts reasonably well. And I have to be honest, I don't have any idea who's telling the truth or who's not well, telling the truth. Everybody seems to have an agenda. Well, or our position. To be honest, Doug, I mean, you should be more truthful about your background. You have direct research experience, sure, scientific sure. based research, true science. Yeah, for a long five years. Uh, for a long lab. time, working yeah. towards a PhD, right? So uh, you easily recognize science based evidence versus anecdotal evidence right. versus. Just crap we're making right. up. And just, you know, just poor statistics. I mean, statistical analyses oh, or right. misuse of the data or bad, you bad know, setting data up bad in general. data. But the problem is the public doesn't. No. And and it's hard to sift through truth, ground truth. It is. And, and, and fiction, fact and fiction. And, and unfortunately, we're in the last few years, we've gotten into a period where a, opinion is considered fact anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Now you've got something that's potentially deadly and confusing and people are scared. They don't know what to believe. They don't know who to believe. And every swinging, you know, what has an opinion. Mm-hmm. And now you get scientists, quote unquote, scientists, yeah. each with their own set of data saying opposite things. Right. And I think that I think your point that you made earlier is and as we're, t- what we're talking about leadership is it's OK for a leader not to know the answer. But just admit it. And but to admit it, just admit it. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. I think we have a lot more respect right? for that than we do for someone who's obviously right. blowing. But we're all in this together. Ass. If you have an idea, let us know. I'd love to hear it. Right. Okay. But here's what we're gonna do based on the information we have. Here's how we're gonna go about doing things. As soon as we get better information, we'll let you know. If you have something better, please let us know. Right. Don't keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. But this idea of keeping stuff close hold or we'll let you know, I mean, 
Yeah. They sniff that out. Right. I, I used to work for a guy who used to keep knowledge and information close to the vest, you know? I mean, he felt like if he knew and we didn't, he had power and we didn't, he had power over us. And it was, you know, it, it was very damaging to the performance of the office at times because he would, you know, information that we would have been, would have found useful and benefited from, he would keep to himself. Sure. I think a lot of people feel that as the leader, they're supposed to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, exactly. And in my opinion, it should be just the opposite. I mean, well, if you're good, a good leader, you want to... I want to surround myself by people... full of outstanding... Much smarter than me. Right, right, right. They're the ones doing the work for me. And just orchestrate. And I'm trying to get the best out of them, right? Because mm-hmm. if the organization wins, I win at the end of the day. Absolutely. The problem is, is that a lot of leaders and managers, you know... And sometimes just cut their teeth, bounce their head off the wall for a lot of years, trying to work their way up and weren't getting anywhere. And when they finally get there, got a chip on their shoulder. Right. Or they were led by people who kept them under their thumb, and that's all they know. And and a lot of leaders think they're supposed to be be the man or be the woman. And, and you are, right? But you're also supposed to get the best performance out of everybody. Right. That's why I always said, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> right. You built a terrible no team. Doubt. You just right. built a bad team around you. Mm-hmm. Right. I I, uh, I managed an, an IT team. I have zero IT background. People are like, well, how, how do you think you can manage an IT team? Because I'm not doing the IT. I'm leading them and getting them. I'm getting the mm-hmm. things they need. I'm giving them the tools they need. I'm putting them in the best position they need to be. How do I do that? I talk to them and I listen to them. Mm-hmm. What do you need? How can we make this better for you? Right? How can we make this easier next time? And that's what a leader does. You right. get those things and you put them in place. And to get them to share that with you, they obviously have to right. trust you. I mean, if you were you going get them to, to trust each other too, to share with each yeah, other. I no mean, doubt. there's a thing called tribal knowledge for a reason out there. Mm-hmm. People will get information and hoard it to themselves right. because that's what's keeping them alive. Right. That's you interesting. Know? Well, man, I've got a few. I've got. I put together some. Um, since I don't know crap about leadership, frankly, other than what you and I have discussed. Um, little bits and pieces that I've gathered from some of the uh, safety management work that I've done. If I, I'm going to throw out some words to you, um, and you can just comment on those, and we can just mm-hmm. see where it takes us. But I know before we started the episode, we talked a little bit about resilience. I think it's huge. You want to comment on that? I think it's huge. And I think we're, our resilience is being tested in a big way right now. And, and, and when I think of resilience, I think of not, not resisting anything, right? But your ability to adapt and accept change, mm-hmm. right? Your ability to, to be in an adverse environment and still perform. Gotcha. Yeah. Like you, you've been in my gym, you know, I don't turn mm-hmm. on the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. People are like, man, you're nuts. And I'm like, it's resilience guys. It's like, right. you, <clears throat> there's you, a point people. If you work out in the heat, you're more resilient to heat. You work out in the cold, you're more resilient to cold. If you're always in a perfectly tempered room at 70 degrees and you go outside in the heat, you suffer. Mm -hmm. You go out in the cold, you suffer, right? So the only way to build resilience is to suffer, is to experience adversity. That's the only way you can build resilience. Right, in in any any environment. In in any environment, right? So if if you're constantly sheltered, you know, sheltering yourself from it, or as a leader, you're sheltering your people from any massive change or resistance or being uncomfortable, you're doing them a disservice, right? Um, I'm not saying go out of your way to Mm -hmm. um, give them some adverse conditions, which there's a time and a place for that. Like you want to constantly make them think, you want to constantly challenge them. You want to constantly make them work, get them outside their comfort zone, right? Because, so, so I'm going to backpedal. Yeah, you should actually, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're constantly keeping out of their comfort zones and now they're able to adapt and overcome and, and think outside the box and do things they're not normally doing, they're becoming more resilient. And guess what? They're becoming more talented mm-hmm. and more True. capable at the same time. Right. Uh, you know, again, if this COVID thing showed us anything is we, we are not a very resilient society, I think, right now. Right. Um, you know, you and I always joke that, oh, the generations behind us are soft, you know, there's there's a lot of argument for that. And I'm sure mm-hmm. our parents said the same thing about us, mm-hmm. you know, and it's hard to argue a World War II generation thinking anybody is <laughs> tougher than them. <laughs> right. No but, doubt. Um, no I, doubt. You know, I, I think that's we we've coddled we've coddled ourselves a lot. Okay. And um, you know, going back to we were talking about culture that the last five, ten years, 
10, maybe in 15 years, we've been just hell-bent on creating these cultures and cultures where everybody feels good about themselves, everybody mm-hmm. feels wanted, everybody feels happy, and everybody wants to be there, which I think is great, right? Don't get me wrong. All those things need to happen, and people want to come to work, and people, but how much adversity was really there, mm-hmm. right? If you're, Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Right. If it's Disneyland every day, okay, how resilient of a workforce are, are you going to have when something like this hits? Right. When there is a challenge when introduced into that force. there is a major force, challenge or there is some really major struggle. adversity or right. the company is having major problems that everybody has to buckle down and figure out. Right. Okay. Or a major competitor comes in town and takes half your business overnight. Um, well, I think we're certainly seeing that right now under these circumstances. There are companies that are actually thriving under these circumstances yeah. because of their resilience and their adaptability and their, you know, their willingness to adapt. And others have just either refused to change or were unable to change and or adapt. They're just and they're, they're gone, they're man. Up. You know, and, and it's uh, I find it interesting the, the big push to work from home all of a sudden. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of factors going on here. Uh, like I said, we, we've pushed so hard to to have these open environments and no more cubicles and everybody's involved and everybody's in the meeting because we want everybody's opinion to be heard and, and foosball tables and coffee bars and ice cream bars and hell, Facebook has a climbing wall and gyms and nap rooms that we created Disneyland at work. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody loves Disneyland. Why? Because you don't work at Disneyland, <laughs> right? Right, right. And, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, now the mantra is, oh my gosh, we send everybody home for a while Everybody's more productive from home. Well, now hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the work environment is to be productive, to maximize productivity. Okay? So if our cultures were the best cultures ever, and it's what attracted talent and kept talent, productivity should have been through the roof. Right. And, and you would expect to see a drop and, off and, and if everybody's you, in and if you would have, And if you look at the metrics and you look at all the studies that all of our academia and peers are saying, said cultures are what win, culture... Crushes culture eats each strategy for breakfast, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's culture wins all the time. Well, then how are you suddenly more productive from home? Mm-hmm. So two questions need to be asked. Were these cultures as cracked up as we said they were? Right? Were people really productive in those, in right. those environments, right? Because when you hear or people- Or was it just like culture theater as you Right, when you hear people I mean, talk just, now, it's like, man, I'm more productive at home, I'm not being bothered, mm-hmm, not being drugged in the right. meetings. People aren't coming by and talking to me all the time. It's not as distracting. It's like, but I thought that was a great culture. Yeah, I don't have to listen to the climbing wall so, and I don't have to listen to the- a ha- Remember, a happy machine. environment doesn't mean that it's a productive environment. Right. And I think that's what we're finding out right now. Right, right. What we did is we created highly unproductive, distracting environments is what mm-hmm. we create- Right. In, mm-hmm. the, in the spirit of innovation and collaboration and all the buzzwords that were right. running around. And I think the other piece, too, is that that's to me, that's a management fail. hundred percent of management fail because the, the whole goal of a manager is while making people happy is important. But your ultimate job is productivity. Right. To maximize productivity. Yeah. And that yeah. obviously wasn't happening if. Now the, suddenly, if the new data, right? Everybody that published mm-hmm. the papers saying culture wins, are now publishing the same papers saying working from home is king, right? Right. Well, okay, you're just contradicting yourselves, but you'll never get them to admit yeah. that. But so, if now the current data is true, people are more productive from home. That means you had bad cultures the entire time, mm-hmm. or unproductive cultures. Unproductive. They were just or fluff. or show cultures. Maybe. The definition of productivity needs to be scrutinized intensely. Mm-hmm. And, and why I say that is productive for whom? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Are you really more productive for the company or are you as a person getting more done? Meaning, well, I can go to the gym now. I can walk the dog. I can get the laundry done. Mm-hmm. Okay. And still get my two hours of work done every day. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you say you're more productive, in my mind, that means, oh, in the eight hour day, you're getting more work done than you were in the eight hour day in the office. Right. And, and as as I'm talking to people and I think data's coming out, that's not necessarily what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. What, what you're seeing is and, and I think what we're going to see and time will tell what we're going to see is. The people that are hard chargers, high drivers, right, high accountable people, highly productive people are going to be even more productive because now no one's bothering them. They can get in their zone and just work like hell. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. The social loafers are going to be even worse now. So you're going to see a divide. The producers and non-producers are going to be a bigger gap than there ever was. Because now the non-producers are left on their own accord and no one's watching them. And now they can really screw off. Right? 
there's really nothing pulling those high performers back down. Right. You've eliminated those. Now you've eliminated all the distractions. From, distractions now they're really yeah. driving, right? So I think nice. that's what you're going to see. And I think you watch. This is my prediction. You're going to see a lot of companies downsizing in terms of personnel mm. because they realize that, wow, 30% of my workforce is very unproductive, I'm finding out. It's that 80-20, right? And, the 80-20 principle. about 30% is really productive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep them. I can cut bait with the others. Wow. I think that's what we're going to see. I that's my be prediction. Yeah, interesting. Um, because um, if, if it's truly about productivity, right? And part of the mantra is, well, a lot of the businesses are looking at the dollar signs too, which I think is a premature um, decision to make, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, you always want to make decisions with as much information, as little uncertainty as possible. Problem is a lot of businesses look at the dollar signs, so you got a lot of businesses, especially in the cities where office space is disgustingly expensive. Right. They're looking around going, hey, if we send everybody home, we can save a hundred grand a month on rent. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. what, that's what they're looking at, right? right? That's Absolutely. what they're looking at, right? Yeah. But I think the productivity numbers at the end of the day might change their mind a little bit. and Or they're going to go, oh, now we know 20% is really carrying the company. We can cut mm -hmm. bait with about half these people. Yeah. You know, right. that, that's interesting. So it's going to come back to the old careful what you wish for. Yeah. Right. No mantra. Doubt. No doubt. Um, but it, but it's it's really it's really intriguing to me right now, because mm -hmm. like I said, it's like all the research, everything was pushing culture, culture, make the workplace the best place people want to be. They never want to leave. All of a sudden, like overnight, it's you got to let people work from home. They're more productive. Well, how can that happen? Like, right. how can that suddenly happen? Mm -hmm. One of them has to be wrong. Mm -hmm. right, they both can't be right. Or you can say, maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's not where you work. It's, it's how we work. Maybe it's, hey, guess what? Not everybody needs to be in the damn meeting. Mm -hmm. Not everybody needs to be involved all the time. Right. You need to let people shut the door and get some freaking work done and not bother them. Good point. Yeah. Maybe there is a place for cubicle hell because if you're distracting everybody all the time, who's working? That's a good point. Right. So, so the answer is obviously it's always somewhere in the middle. Sure. Okay. But I think we swung so hard, right? We went from, ah, oh, tyrannical leaders, keeping people under the thumb to this widely open Disneyland environment. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we went right past the actual probably solution to what it needed to be. Right. And I think now yeah. working from home is going to bring that to light. Mm-hmm. And you know, interestingly, I have a brother-in-law who actually works for Disney out in L.A., and uh, he just took a 50% pay cut because of, uh, you know, whatever's happened to Disney. I guess that's a, aside from the point. I would but, think Disney would be thriving. Everybody's home watching movies. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe. You would think so. But, <laughs> man, they've they've taken a He's taken a or pretty dramatic Or even Disney realized they don't need half their people. But, you know, it's interesting because there is another side of workplaces. The You know, the other side of this is the manufacturing facilities and the construction sites, you know, the places that I go to and visit and my clients. And so these folks didn't have the luxury of working at home at all during this. Right. You know, there is no work from home when you, you manufacture something for a living or you're a construction worker. And so sure. these guys now, in addition to their normal routine, we've added you know, social distancing and we've added masks, masks and we've added other, perhaps right. other PPE. And we've, you know, we've so, made, their lives are harder, man. It's, right. It's, so I think right now leadership and management in those areas need to figure out, hey, we got to have some balance, right? This is hard work anyway. Mm -hmm. This is knuckle busting. Right, right. Mind numbing in some cases right. work, right? Hot, and, and sweaty. Hot, sweaty work that wears you out. It does. Um, and, and I think now we're, now we're adding complications to it, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, they need to, and, and I hate to say this, they need to look at Disneyland and go, how can we get some balance in here, right? And creative breaks, creative mm -hmm. ways to lighten the mood. I think that's a great Wait, Ways to just, to get people just, man, just to, to de-stress a little bit. momentary relief. Just momentary from relief, that. you know, whether, yeah. it's, whether it's a couple extra breaks throughout the day, whether it's like the movie Gung Ho. Remember the movie mm -hmm. Gung Absolutely. Ho? Absolutely. Where they would yeah. make them line up and stretch in the mornings. Yeah. As cheesy as it is, it's things like that. Maybe it's the middle of the day break, right? Mm -hmm. And it's tough. I get it. Manufacturing, you're trying to just pump out as many as you can, mm -hmm. but maybe it's the middle of the day break that you incorporate with a lunch break where everybody has lunch, just everybody just has lunch together. Right. 
right? Mm-hmm. You sound the horn, everybody comes in, everybody has lunch together. You do some kind of activity. Maybe it's an extended lunch every Friday or where it's just kind of being communal together, mm-hmm. getting to know each other, hanging out a little bit, right? And just, and then going back right. to work, right? Just with a smile on their face, right? Just figuring out ways. But I think, <clears throat> I do think those small gestures go a long oh, way huge. in a workforce, a, a blue collar, hands-on manual if labor real. workforce. If it's yeah, real, yeah. not a backhand, hey, here's a company water bottle or, mm. you know, here's right. here's a towel or something like that. Like like sure. legit, hey, we're all breaking for lunch every day at 11. We're mm-hmm. going to have lunch together. Maybe the company springs for lunch. Right. Um, and we're going to sit and chat for a little bit. Maybe we'll do some type of exercise or, some, you know, we get to know somebody a little mm-hmm. bit better that day. Or maybe you invite the kids, the family and kids to come have lunch with mm-hmm. you yeah. that day. Right. Absolutely. And the whole company and their whole families that are having lunch, like things like that, mm-hmm. where, where you're building that community and, and you're building culture. Right. Right. Absolutely. Which it's important. I'm not saying culture is not important. Like don't, don't mm-hmm. misconstrue what I'm saying. Right. What, I, but what I'm saying is that there's gotta be a balance between culture and productivity. Right. And getting, right. You gotta get work done at right. some point. Without question. And I think, I think oftentimes we misconstrue what culture really means. I think culture is primarily just an attitude and oftentimes people envision culture as just being a setting or a, you know, well, a, I think that you know, we, these, these little, different little um, fluffy, you know. I think we misconstrued culture, meaning everybody had to be happy. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's a part that of it. a good culture that everybody's that's happy. That's a part of it. But, but in my mind, uh, a good culture is a highly productive culture. Like right. if you're talking business. And supportive. Right. It's a supportive right. Right. environment. I mean, it is at the end of the day, it's a business, right? Mm-hmm. And if the business isn't revenueing and making money, it's not a business. It doesn't exist. Right. And none of us are here. Right. Right. So to, to me, we lost sight of a good business culture is a highly productive culture. Mm-hmm. It's a highly productive organization, right? It's producing at a high level. It's right. got the people working and performing incredibly high. Okay, so, that doesn't mean we're all, it's all rainbows and sure, unicorns. Sure. Everybody's happy as can be all the time necessarily. Right. Right. But I think we swung too hard that way and 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 dove in too big on the happiness and, and people loving their job and loving where they're at mm-hmm. and, and weren't holding enough people accountable in the productivity sense. And yeah. we're seeing that because suddenly we're more productive from home. Right. And I think there is a misconception, too, that, you know, white collar work activities can be, you know, people can be happy doing those and people are automatically unhappy who are doing these blue collar well, or manual jobs. Opposite, I, I have to agree. I think it's a thousand percent the opposite. What I, I see the I see that. Absolutely. I see people who do these very, very manually labor intensive, difficult jobs uh-huh. In these in these work environments, who take great pride in what they do, and they seem to they take it with you know sure. there's joy. All the people the I know in construction or auto mechanics and welders, like they love the work. What drives them nuts is the business side of it, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly. what gives them stress, right? Um, they they love the knuckle busting work, like that's exactly. to, to them that's freedom. Well, I find it really interesting when I, when I work with a with a client. Uh, as a safety consultant and I'm in the, I like to go into the environment and watch and engage with the employees and learn what they do. Occasionally they will allow me to participate in what they're doing as long as I don't screw things up or, you know, hurt myself (laughs) right in front of, you know, that's a terrible, you know, don't want to do that. But I think they appreciate appreciate that you are genuinely interested in what they do. I can tell you from my experience that, that when I ask someone to tell me about their job, they, Love it. They, 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 they are definitely proud of what they do more often than not and happy to explain it. And, you know, I think they appreciate that someone is genuinely interested in what they do. Uh, and so I think there's kind of a misconception that, that, that manual labor, hard work is unpleasant or that people don't like it. Well, I, I think they love from it. the outside. It looks mundane from the outside looking in. Sure. Right. And it just looks repetitive and mundane and it is to a point, but, um, you know, I, I think something you said for people can get in there and get their hands in it mm-hmm. and being creative and, and using their bodies. And um, well, they they tend to be a little bit more resilient at times. I think I would, too. I would agree a hundred percent. You know, I um, mean, they're 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 a little bit more used to some of these hardships and 
because I, I think they're used to the quote unquote work, mm-hmm. right? And and they're still going to go to work no matter right. what. Right. And uh, you know, and I think there's to be said for that, you know. So anyway, we got more words. Yeah, from a leadership standpoint. <laughs> so so going back to leadership, I mean, you've touched on a few of these things already. Already, as we talked about resilience, we talked about things like trust huge. and respect. Huge, huge. Um, ego. Let's talk about Death. ego a little bit. You know, the death of you, man, isn't it from a leadership standpoint? I think just in general, how does ego play into leadership? Well, you, you walk into my gym, uh, above the door says, check your ego Mm -hmm. What's the idea. Check your ego at the door. Right. You know, ego prevents you from learning. Ego prevents you from respecting other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, ego prevents you from recognizing what people bring to the table and value another, another Mm -hmm. people. Um, I think ego is what, makes a leader keep people under their thumb right? and, and not let them participate. It just, um, I mean, that, that really is a huge he the enemy, right? obstacle to he good the enemy. leadership. I mean, there's books on it. He yeah. goes the enemy. It's a great book. Uh, Jocko Willink and mm-hmm. extreme ownership talks about how ego can be the de- literally the death of you mm-hmm. uh, if you're not careful. And, and I think ego and leadership um, is, is what leads to micromanagement. It leads mm-hmm. to distrust, not from the employees of the leader. The leader doesn't trust the employees. Right. 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 Because of ego, their right. own ego, their own arrogance. Or is in lack the way. of self-confidence masked as ego. Exactly. Oftentimes. Yeah. So, I've, I've seen that firsthand. You know, I had a, I had a manager and I, I don't want to cast aspersions or mention names, but I had a manager while I was with OSHA that I think, you know, that fear of being found out, you know, that I I don't know it all, or I am not, you know, the leader manager I profess to be. Right. I think that fear really paralyzed this person and impacted, you know, the the relationship with all employees. It was, it was, uh, and what you'll generally see is they're real quick to, because they're hiding their inaccuracies, Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they'll throw people under the bus real quick. Oh, it's yeah. always everybody else's fault. Oh, yeah. Uh, one way to deflect my inability is to point out point how blame. bad you are. Absolutely. Right? And, and yeah. you, you see that all the time. You see that in politics. You see that in academia. So rather than defend my position, I'm just going to try to blow yours up. Mm-hmm. It's right? Just, it just seems gonna, like a, a, deflect, just a basic human flaw. I'm going to get all eyes on you to see how bad you exactly. are. And people won't see how bad I am right. the, whole, the whole time. I've had that experience a few times. Those That exact scenario, you know, deflect, blame, point blame. You know, I mean, people won't see my deficiencies if they're looking at you. I worked for a company who... Um, I was I was real big on continuation training and having programs where people are constantly learning continuation training. They can go through modules. It's big in the military. Continuing military people don't realize military spends most of the time training. Mm-hmm. Very little time actual quote unquote fighting or executing mm-hmm. the mission. Um, and uh, I had a VP tell me one time, I don't want to hear any more about training education. It's out there. It's on them to go find it. And I was like, that's. The most ridiculous yeah, the thing I've things ever things heard, yeah. right? And that same person, and this is pure ego, right? Uh, would say, uh, I don't understand why we're having trouble with our people are having trouble. Um, we're just not finding the right people. It's like, dude, you have to train and educate people. You have to give mm-hmm. them the tools, right? right. And, and that's ego. That's recognizing that... I can't expect you to be perfect. I can't expect you to be like me. Mm-hmm. I have to give you the things to be better than me. Right. I want you to be better than me. Why wouldn't I? That doesn't make any sense. You know, I had a mentor tell me one time, your goal is to advance, should be to advance their career. Like you should get that person at a point where they want to leave you. Mm-hmm. Not that they want to leave you because they don't like you, but they're so good, it's time for them to move up and move mm-hmm. on. Interesting. Like you've helped their career yeah. to go to the next level. Yeah. You've built them up to that point. I had a guy named Mario that worked for me. He was there for 15 years before I got there. By far my best operator on the, on the IT team. And he came to me one time because we were doing our one-on-ones. And I said, what are you still doing here? Mm-hmm. He looked at me shocked. I go, dude, what are you still doing here, man? Aren't, aren't, don't you want to move up? And he's like, well, I looked at these jobs. He goes, you think I should? I go, Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me know. I'll back you. Mm-hmm. Get, I'm like, get the hell out of You're here. You're ready. 
Yeah. Like, get the hell out. And it shocked him, like, because no one had ever said that to him before. Right. He, didn't, he hadn't had a leader that had done that for well, him. Well, because or... they're, they're hoarders, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to let my best people leave me. Right. Right? Micromanagers. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, I mean, I get it. There, there's a mantra, people should never want to leave. Right? I get it, right? People should, but to me, that's, that's when I talk good culture, that's when I say good culture. It's like people should never want to leave. They enjoy their job. They're mm-hmm. happy. They're content working for you. And fulfilled. Right? They get and, fulfillment and fulfilled, from right? Absolutely. But at the same time, it's on you as a leader to recognize it's time for you to go. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to move up. You're right. holding yourself. We are, this, is holding, this job is holding you back. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to move up on the bigger and better things right. if you want to do and that. And the organization will benefit from you advancing. If you want to you do are, that, right? Because that means we're developing good people. Right. We're developing people. Right. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's what you should do. So, so let me ask you this. So um, for a small contractor, for a small business, uh, the tendency, I think, seems to be to promote into management your highest performers. Dangerous. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, so I, I think it's incredibly dangerous. I, I saw an interesting YouTube video or something. It might have been YouTube about, you know, Navy SEAL leadership selection. And they said they use two criteria performance and trust and all the metrics lean toward measuring performance. You can measure performance. Sure. And you have incredibly high performers, low performers. There are very few, if any metrics to measure trust, but if you get a high performer who the rest of the team doesn't trust disaster, going to fail. Absolutely. Going to fail. So I learned that same lesson early in my military career that, uh, I, w- I had put my name in for a job. It was a staff job. And I knew the person I was going up against for the job and, and they picked the other, and I knew I was at our primary job, which was, uh, flying on the jet, doing the job on the jet. Mm -hmm. I knew I was hands down better than this person, Mm -hmm. hands down better. Wasn't even close. Uh, the other person got picked for the job. It was an overseas job too. It was a cush job Mm -hmm. over in England, not a cush Mm -hmm. job. It was an opportunity Mm -hmm. to go to England and work. And I was so mad. I, I remember talking to my boss, I'm like, this is BS. You know, I'm better than her in a jet. I just tip my, tip my hat a little bit there. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep the names out, right? Yeah. But he goes straight up. He goes, he goes, you're right, man. You are. But that's not what this job is. She's a better staff officer than you are right now. And I, I, and I was like, I, I want to say F you. But, mm-hmm. and, and I probably did at the time. But, and then later on down the road, you start to understand that it's, you know, I was better at my job. But that doesn't mean I was cut to be a better leader or staff, or staff officer at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to recognize that um, you might have people that are, they're great performers, but that doesn't mean their leadership material or mm-hmm. management material. Mm-hmm. They may just need to be left where they are and move around. You got to move them around to keep them busy and keep, not let them get bored, but they're just not cut out to be a leader or a manager. That's a mm-hmm. totally different skill set. Absolutely. Um, you might have people that are okay at their job, but they're very good at rallying people. They're very good at motivating people. They're very good at recognizing uh, opportunities for improvement. Right. They're probably better cut out to be leaders and managers. Now, their problem is that will make some other people mad, but that's on that's on leadership to explain to people, right. here's, here's what this position requires, and this is why this person's going into it, and here's right. why you're not ready for it. Now, if you do want to get here, these are the skills you need to develop. Exactly. I'll help you do that. I mean, the only criteria is not simply performance right. of the job. I mean, the best welder in the place doesn't mean they should run the company. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's exactly right. Right. And, and I think a lot of times the companies do promote based on that. Mm-hmm. But but that's where you get bad management in some mm-hmm. cases. Now, it's on the company, again, to educate and train. I think that's very important. Right. I think companies that right. are smart have have management tracks where they can move people through it and get them that training education. Mm-hmm. But even then that should also be used as a vetting process to find out who's cut out and who's not, right. you know, at the right. same time. I mean, I think it's natural to want to reward your high performers because your high performers oftentimes tend to be trustworthy. You should, you know, they are the people that are committed to the company. And so they they tend to be high performers. But that doesn't mean you reward with promotion. Into management necessarily, Correct. right? So, Correct. but if you, I mean, if that's give them a car, if that's what's You'd available, you'd be better off to giving you, them a car. Well, no, I'm serious. But you I mean, would. if that is what, if that's what is available to you, think what about can this. you do to think about the price of a car? Let's say you give them a forty thousand dollar car, fifty thousand dollar car. Buy, hell, buy them a truck, a seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollar new Ford truck, mm-hmm. seventy grand. You put them in management. How much damage can they do? Oh. 
immeasurable. A lot more than 70 grand. Yeah. Right? So is it worth the $70,000 truck to keep that person happy and keep them out of management? That's an interesting point. Because they can do a hell of a lot more damage than 70 grand. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I I hadn't even considered that, but at the end of the day, I think that would probably satisfy most of those who (laughs) are high performers and really don't even want to be managers, but it's a promotion, right? You know, so you go for that job anyway, even though you may not have a desire to be a manager. It's more money. And I know a lot of people that have just avoided management. Sure. They've been, you know, they've been the workers, they're good at it. They like it. I always, in my management classes in my leadership classes, you know, I always say, be careful what you wish for. Mm Mm-hmm. Every one of you come out of here with a, a business degree thinking you, you deserve to be in mid-level management right off the bat. I go, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. It is hard. Oh, my gosh. It's incredibly yeah. hard. I, I, and it gets harder all the time. Yeah, man. I, I think when I was with OSHA, the, the worst job that I saw in the agency was the assistant director job. So in, in a typical OSHA field office, there's an area director. There is one or two assistant directors, and then there's a series of compliance officers and other specialists and stuff. And, you know, I spent a few years as an assistant director, and that is the worst job in the, you know, that mid-level management is the worst job in the agency because you're answering to an area director who ultimately is the boss. Mm -hmm. You've got all these employees that are reporting to you that are, that drive you crazy. I mean, that you have to herd or, you know, manage in some way and try to lead and then uh, I, I just thought it was horrible. And, um, you know, I have some friends still at the OSHA office here in Omaha that are exceptionally bright, very good compliance officers. They know their stuff. And those area, the assistant jobs come up and they don't even apply for them right. because they know the headaches that come with that come job. With it, yeah. These people need to be promoted. They are stagnant. And in the right. government system, as you know, once you hit the top of your you're, yeah. you're Someone needs to great. die. You're done. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To move up, but I mean, there is no you're way to yeah. adequately reward these people right. that don't want to be and a manager. There's no bonus system or bonus yeah, and not structure. everybody wants to be a manager, sure. nor should. Or, they be. or worse yet, is that you will have, um, you know, going back to you have someone who's really good at their job, and 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 frustrated they're not moving up in the company, even though they don't want to be management, they'll go open their own business, mm-hmm. right? And now they have to be the leader. Right. Like one thing you don't think about when you open your own company or I'm going to be an entrepreneur is like suddenly you are right. the person, right? And you are making decisions. Like So now you're not avoiding, you're right in the middle of everything you didn't want to do. You just can't yeah. you know, work, right? Yeah. And, and do the thing you love necessarily. It, it is the worst part of the job for me, you know, trying to, yeah. you know, and I don't manage anyone. I don't really lead anyone I, yeah, other than manage my clients. Yourself. You manage well, yourself. I do have to ma- manage my own do. time. A lot of people can't do that well. Uh, you know, it's, that's true, man. <laughs> not and, at all. Uh, it is not my strength. But <laughs> And I do have a few guys that I work with. And obviously, as a consultant, you have to lead your client. I mean, I think most of my clients want to be led in the right direction, you know, to, to improve their safety programs. Mm-hmm. They want to be... They don't know the necessarily the direction or how to get there. And so you do have to lead. And there there's some nuances to leading as an outsider, as a consultant. You know, that's one thing I tell my coaches at our gym is that um, one of the reasons they come to us is they want to be led. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean like sheep or cattle. I mean, if people knew what to do and they felt comfortable doing it by themselves, they could go to any gym mm-hmm. and, and, and get healthier and get more fit. Right. Um, but they can't, right? They're, they're confused. They don't know what to do. Um, we're communal people. We like to be around other people, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We're a communal animal. So uh, I have to remind my coaches all the time. It's like they come to us for structure. They mm-hmm. come to us for guidance. They come to us for leadership, right? Now, we use martial arts and fitness and health as the medium for that, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I, I agree with you 100%. It's like people want to be led. I, I agree. Okay. And I don't mean blindly. Don't get me sure. wrong here. I don't mean blindly. Yeah. Yeah. But they want guidance. They want to be led. Like I had a mentor tell me one time, he's like, he goes, don't fool yourself. He goes, the vast, when you, when a leader says, oh, I just, they're lazy. They don't want to work. That's bullshit. How many people want to show up and not? Most people want to show up and earn their paycheck. They mm-hmm. want to show their value. Mm-hmm. They want to earn more, right? They want to feel valued and they want to work for that, Right. You already remind people, there's, don't get me wrong, there's some people out there just that don't want to work, they're yeah. lazy. But for the most part, 
I, right? I would agree People with that. want to work. So yeah. when, when you say they're lazy, that means you're not leading them. Mm-hmm. You're not managing them. You're not paying attention to them. That's a good point, man. That's a very good point. And I think that's a, I think we see that regularly, maybe not frequently, but I see that regularly in the, in a, in a uh, industrial setting or in a construction setting where the supervisor or the leader, the manager will uh, speak harshly about his employees mm-hmm. because they're not doing what he wants them to do, but he hasn't led them there. Or you know? he's, they're not doing it how he thinks it should be done. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and there again, it's like, are you even paying attention to him, man? Are you even listening to him? Right. You're the one that might be out to lunch at the end of the day. Right. Exactly. But, you know, like again, that's ego mm-hmm. talking about ego. When you, when you say someone's lazy, it's like, are they? Mm hmm. I would agree with you. you. Know, I think most people want to contribute. They want to be valuable. They well, want they want to, to earn. I mean, think about it. they're trying to support their family in most right. cases. They want to earn. They want mm-hmm. to earn more. Mm-hmm. They don't know how necessarily in a lot of cases. Probably most cases they don't know how. Right. You've never sat down with them and talked career progression. You've never sat down and talked about cross training. You never sat down and talked about, you know, hey, what's the five year goal here? Mm-hmm. You want to sit there and operate that press the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. I doubt it, mm-hmm. but right. I've never asked. Right. That's a good point. So, yeah, that's a very good point. I don't know that I ever had that conversation with my managers. Yeah. I mean, work. who doesn't get bored with their job? Right. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody does. Look at Pat, man. Pat. I mean, Right. What? Like, what? <laughs> we just woke him up. What? What? Sorry, man. No, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I think everybody, like, everybody. I don't care. Like, I, you know, it's people think, man, you own a gym, man. All you, it's got to be great. All you do is get to work out. It's so much fun. I'm like, you're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. Right. There's days I ho- I show up and hope the place burnt down. <laughs> right. right? right. I, you know, like I hope the train right behind us derailed and knocked yeah. it right over. Yeah. Like I wouldn't cry necessarily that at that moment. Right. Right. Because even I get bored with it. Like who? Everybody gets bored. Sure. You know, and gets frustrated and gets mm-hmm. tired, mm-hmm. okay, with what they're doing. Right. And interestingly, since the buck stops with you, it's up to you to ensure that your coaches and the students right. don't hit that same Right. And then I got to find ways to keep myself motivated and keep myself right. in the game. I mean, I do that by going to seminars, That's like really going to lectures and, and taking trips with my mm-hmm. coaches, you know, going to Thailand, the train, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, or bringing You're seminars right. in, yeah, you yeah. Know, doing, having events, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it gets tougher the higher you get, right? Because now no mm-hmm. one's helping you do it. Mm-hmm. Or there's fewer people. Right. So I got to have mentors. Absolutely. You know, as well. Right. You know, no, I agree. That's, it's very, I think that's really insightful because I, I find that to be true too. I, I am naturally uh, curious. I like to learn. I mean, I enjoy learning more about my profession even 30 some years later in this profession. But sometimes it needs to be prompted. You know, you can get a little bit uh, complacent periodically. Sure. Uh, and, it, and it's nice to have people that can give you insights. Like you, yeah. you've been coaching me on leadership and process and management. And uh, I have a few other people who, whom I trust right. also that give me input. Well, don't think it's not a two-way street either. Like, yeah. you know, I teach a lot of private lessons. And you, you know some of my clients, some mm-hmm. incredibly... Mm-hmm. stupidly successful people yeah. when it comes to what's right. in the bank account. Right. Uh, you know, and, and I'm learning. Oh, absolutely. From my clients, just as much as they're learning from me, you know, and yeah. you know, you know, as much as I do, half the time it's a therapy session, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, for everybody involved. There is a lot of therapy, you know, and like, That's so, right. you know, you know, you sit here and say, you know, you've learned a lot of leadership from me, but I've, I've pulled a ton of stuff from you just in well, our conversations. You, you probably know safety stuff too. Just like, right. I mean, right. I deputize both of you. Right. I mean, so uh, literally and, and, and tell everybody if I'm lying, I'll be at UNO started doing an expansion on Mammal Hall and I was looking out the window. I started snapping pictures. I'm like, Doug, look at these guys. They're not tethered <laughs> off. Are idiots, man. <laughs> he does the same thing. Right. I have now I have an army of people out, but actually that's I mean, not a horrible idea. There should idea. be sticky strips all along that beam, you know? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. And and the more people that know that stuff and right. recognize it, the better. Well, so if if we uh, if you are a small business or you're a small contractor, and you know, I've just hired a new guy. I've just put a new guy into a management position. You know, what one piece of advice would you give? You know, the business owner or that new manager 
uh, as to becoming a better leader? I mean, I think you've touched on a few things. Listening, be a better listener, be humble. I think uh, put the ego, leave the ego at the door. Yeah, man. I, I think it's uh, un- understand why you're there. Ooh, that's a good one too, man. Like, why are you the manager? Is it to make the decisions and be the boss, or is it to get the best out of all of them? Wow, that's a good. And, and that's what it's really all about. That's a good one, right? How can I get the best? And and, and how can I get how can I get them, for lack of a better term, how can I get them to lift more weight? Right? You want to do a lifting now? How can I get yeah. them to perform better? How can I not not get the most out of them? Right? Not like. I'm not talking slave mm-hmm. driving, get the most out of them. Like, how can I get them to perform at their peak? Mm-hmm. What do they need? Okay. How, what skills do I need? How can I train them? What, what pep talks do I need? Right. And a lot of that's listening and talking and finding out and, and getting them involved and, and getting them to take some ownership and accountability up and down. It's like, understand why you're there. It's not for you. It's for them. You know, I think to get the most out of that organization to have right. a, a highly productive, high performing organization. You don't win unless they win. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Like you don't win unless they're out there just killing it. Right. You know, it's interesting. I think one generation ago, your father's generation, my father's generation. Uh, my father was a mid-level manager at a company in Omaha called Western Electric. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had a number of incarnations after that. It was uh, Avaya sure. and Lucent and all those other things, but it was a huge manufacturing plant. And he started on the loading dock as an hourly guy, and he reached mid-level management after 30-some years. Um, I think that generation of managers... Uh, they probably led by example. They were probably hardworking guys. They probably did the right thing. But I know they were afraid of that relational element. They were afraid to seem vulnerable or to expose their vulnerabilities right. or to have relationships. And I think, you know, that trust is is gained through either integrity and honesty, you know, but also that, you know, that willingness to. Well, you got to get people to want to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not work for the paycheck necessarily. Right. Or work, even the company. Work for you. Agreed. You know, it's like and, a coach. And, I mean, yeah, play for you, work for you. Exactly. And I think that's a transition. When, when you start transitioning from being like a manager to a leader is when you start getting people to want to work for you. They're there because of you. Yeah, the money's great and you're taking care of them in that manner. But there's a lot of places where you can go where you can say, oh, they're just here for the paycheck. They're just trying to make the money. And like, as soon as the bell rings, they're gone. Gone. Right? They yeah. show up right at the bell and they leave right at the bell. Whereas when you get people that want to work for you, they're showing up early. They're hanging out after. Mm-hmm. Agreed. They're very social with each other. Yeah. They're, 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 they talk to each other. They care about each other. They're helping each other out. They know each other's names. They know their wives' names. They know their kids' names. Right? Yeah. You yeah. start, that's when you start, that's the telltale sign, right? That you're starting to actually lead people and they're starting to want to be there for you as well. Right. Not just, not just for the paycheck. It's interesting. <laughs> well, man, we, I think we've reached the end of the hour. We um, killed an hour again. We killed an hour again. It just goes like five by minutes. so quickly, man. Well, we I put know. him asleep, so something's <laughs> happening. <laughs> he's good. He's good. <laughs> well, he's been drinking since noon, I think. So, <laughs> right, right. exactly. Hey, man, uh, thank you very much for coming in. I'm really awesome, looking dude. forward to this uh, monthly repeat. I think uh, we'll put together a nice. I mean, we've really just started to scratch the surface here. Sure. So. And I guess what I would say is, uh, you know, to to your listeners is, please reach out to Doug with with some topics that mm-hmm. you'd like us to Questions. dive into. And you know, I'm more than happy to bring in you know the latest research on, on those areas. Uh, being, being what it is, we just kind of tore research apart a little bit, but you know, um, you know, the latest and greatest, and, and I want to dive into areas that you guys are interested in absolutely, uh, or, or trouble areas that you're having. If there's some problem areas you're having, I'd love to address those because you're not the only ones having those problems Mm -hmm. or even share some successes. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we've, this has worked really great for us. Awesome. You know, one of the, one of the things is understanding what works and, and making it a best practice and trying to replicate that all throughout the company. And I think that's one of the things like we're all in this together, right? You know, especially in the area of safety, if you guys are doing something 
leadership wise, it's being successful in safety. Let us know so Doug can get that out to everybody. That's a great, that's right? a great and, and everybody starts to win and we yeah. can make that uh, uh, an industry wide best practice mm-hmm. uh, and leadership wide best practice because you know, like there's that. enough money out there for everybody. Yeah. So why not share the successes and, and, and figure out some things that, that we can do that, that be, can become the new standard. I agree. That's a great suggestion. If you do have some suggestions of topics or ideas or comments about successes, you know, to reach me at Doug at FletcherSafety.com. Aaron, thanks again, man. Anytime, have a good buddy. weekend. I, I look forward to seeing you next Monday. Uh, I'm COVID free. I'm now. COVID free. I can come back to the gym. Uh, so I'll see you on Monday. And thanks everybody for listening. I appreciate your support. Thanks to all my sponsors, CCS Group, Safety Reports. Nebraska Department of Labor and Medical Enterprises, and now Mid-America Martial Arts. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. A Parkville Media Production.